of this week's episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me as always is the lovely Karen Randazzo. Hello. And her relatively attractive husband, Chris Randazzo. Super Saiyajin Godo. Okay, this week we're actually going to do a normal show. Not that you know what that is, seeing as this is only episode two and we didn't have a normal episode last week. Uh, the way it's going to work is we are tasked with the sheer pleasure of picking a show for the week, each one of us, and discussing it. And then towards the second half of the show, we have a topic. This week's topic is Heroes Reborn. Quick note for the show, there may be some spoilers. Um, we're doing our best to keep it as spoiler-free as possible, but... We are? Yeah, well, I think that's just the tact. You're supposed to say that even if we don't really give a shit or not. Fair enough. Right? So... Just be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Suck it up, check the notes. If you want to see what shows we're talking about before talking about them, look there. And then decide if you want to listen to it or not. Enter at your own risk. Ha ha ha. Karen? <laughs> Hi, Evan. <laughs> How are you? You know, yeah. not bad. What do you got for us I, this week? This week, I guess I should say, hey, y'all, because <laughs> I have got the season four premiere of Nashville, or as it's known in this house, Manashville. <laughs> Manashville? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go watch Manashville. Oh, I see. You took the word my and Nashville. Ah. It's a it's a portmanteau. <laughs> I'm going to go do my something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it yes. seems like Chris isn't a fan. <laughs> this is not for everyone and specifically probably not for our male listeners. <laughs> unless they are fans of country music. Or Soapy TV, uh, which this very much is. It's a very fun primetime soap. Uh, if you don't know what Nashville is, basically it's uh, exactly that. It centers around the world of the country music industry as centered in Nashville, Tennessee. You've got a lead character who's kind of the queen of country, um, played by Connie Britton and her fabulous hair. She's got an on and off. <laughs> Her fabulous Sorry. hair. It's fabulous. <laughs> I can continue to do the offensive southern accent, which is terrible, but I won't. Uh, she's in an on-again, on off-again relationship, which is currently on-again. And then there's a whole host of like younger, up-and-coming uh, musicians and songwriters and whatnot that make up pretty much the rest of the cast. Um, and all of those people have returned in the premiere to be pretty much consistently idiots which is great uh, you know i could go into what happened to all of them but if you watch the show just assume the same things are happening people are being stupid there's a gay character who just came out and now he's all hiding in shame because he feels like everyone hates him because well he is music. in the south Oh, yeah, Jesus. but nobody cares. Like, literally nobody cares. There's these, another couple that's, you know, they're totally in love, but they're all denying themselves, and I don't know why. The good things about the show, because I do love this show, uh, the music continues to be fantastic and fun um, and addictive. Um, there was a cliffhanger at the end of last season, which uh, one of the characters had surgery and, and that very oh. end the doctor said there's a problem or i need to talk to you or something like that please tell me this episode started and their face was all bandaged up and we didn't know who killed whom <laughs> no please Set, no 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 mistaken Damn. identity uh it was uh it was a transplant surgery and it was the donor who 
almost died, but also didn't die. So, like, the point of the cliffhanger was twist. that there was no point. Exactly. He's like, I the called it before the episode was over. No cliffhanger. No. No, but anybody who spent the season in, uh, or in the summer in suspense has clearly not seen TV before. Uh, one of um, those non-suspenseful, suspenseful moments. Yes. The real, the the really the thing about this episode that I want to talk about is a little bit more, a little bit serious, and I promise not to be a you know serious topic person all the time. The characters played by Hayden Panettiere uh, from Heroes, which we'll oh, get to later. This is that show. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And go ahead. she <laughs> plays the young superstar, like I guess the sort of Carrie Underwood character. Uh, and she has just had a baby recently and is uh, suffering from postpartum depression, which everyone around her either can't tell, doesn't know, or doesn't care. And she herself kind of doesn't have any idea what's going on. And I'm just, I'm really glad they're taking on this topic. But at the same time, I kind of wish it was being taken on by a better show, oh. <laughs> done in oh. a better way. I, for, a, for a half a second there, I thought you were talking about Hayden in, in real life, not well, not in the show. <laughs> she's been doing a lot of press around this premiere, and apparently she actually did uh, have some issues with postpartum depression. Okay. Um, and which, I guess, presumably is maybe how it found its way into the show, um, because the whole pregnancy came into the show because she herself was pregnant, and... Enormous, by the way. If you've ever seen Hayden Panettiere, she's a tiny, tiny, tiny person. And when she was pregnant, these paparazzi pictures came out. And she was just like, "This, you, you, you couldn't even figure out how a baby that big fit in a person that small." But that's not <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> it's it's a part of nature. You see, the woman's body was created. Evan, no, I'm going to stop you because I've done this, and I don't. Oh, need that's you right. To explain you it to you me. know the process. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of perspective on the show of, you know, how people are, how people outside of the person who it's affecting, how they are seeing her and not so much, you're not seeing a lot of how she's feeling herself. You know, that everybody's, oh, she's acting crazy. She's a crazy bitch. What's going on? I'm assuming you've watched this show. Is this a new theme in the show? Or is this... No, it's uh, they were they've been working on this, you know, the last third of the last season, and um, this in the in the premiere, she is finally sorted to seem like she's going to reach out for some help, um, but it's just not it's not it's not very handled very tactfully, you know. There's a throwing of a snow globe, and you know, lots of tearful meltdown with no explanation which is definitely part of this condition but there's no like there's no explanation on her part you don't see her and how she feels about it herself you just see her interacting with other characters and them not understanding or well i i guess that is true to life or at least i mean postpartum depression is a it's a thing that half of the the populace doesn't really have a grasp on so i i guess that's that's an, a one way to look at it maybe yeah and i i that's a good point i think that that they're portraying like other people's lack of understanding about it very well 
I think what they're not doing as well is um, showing how it affects the character Juliet herself and how, you know, you just see her act crazy and then cut away. You never see her, like, reaction to what she just did. Okay. I, I see. Well, I, I, I have never seen the show and I can't speak for the show, but you would hope with a, such a serious topic or at least a such a serious thread for this the, the show that they will possibly change their tune and start handling it a little more tactfully, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, this in this season premiere, they did have a, a moment with her where she was sort of, you know, she was at a party and kind of overwhelmed with people acting crazy and binge drinking and all sorts of stuff. And she kind of locked herself away in a bathroom and made a crying phone call out for help. And so... Hopefully that's the beginning of her, you know, dealing with this problem in a realistic way. Gotcha, like the recovery arc, if you will. Yeah, although the person she called was the uh, the Queen of Country, Raina James, and uh, <laughs> who <laughs> flew across the country, just, you know, as you do, hop on your private jet and fly from Nashville to Los Angeles to help someone who has never treated you like anything but a bitch. And then when you get there, as she did, she's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. Oh, <laughs> so Jesus. it's probably going to take a little while for them to handle this with a little, <laughs> a little more dignity. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's that's where is my... This, where is this show being aired? What's the, it's the on a ABC, um, an ABC, Wednesday nights at 10, okay. where I am very happy to sit and watch it while Chris records Stone Age Gamer. Oh, nice plug. <laughs> shameless, shameless plug. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, synergy. I, Hashtag yeah. synergy. <laughs> I hope the show gets better for you. <laughs> I mean, all the stupid soapy parts of it are really great and really fun, and I do encourage people to watch it. But, uh, yeah, this one particular thing is a sticking point with me. <laughs> it's amazing how you just positively said the soapy the soapy parts are, are good. Yeah, I, I no. I'm sorry, not a big soap fan, never have been. My grandma, my aunt, oof, they'd watch their stories every day. Never got into it. So, just well, go- <laughs> I, I realize I'm not speaking to the right crowd in my co-hosts. I'm hoping to reach a larger audience. <laughs> oh, I, I thought this was just for us. This isn't just for us? Oh, oh okay. All right, I see how well, it is. There's this thing called the internets, and that's where you get the podcasts. Oh, is that where this goes? Oh. Yes. Thank you for clearing that up for me. I appreciate yes. it. We're going to be internet famous. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just pictured the paparazzi photographing Chris as he climbs out of his limo. <laughs> yeah. if, if by limo you mean like 13-year-old busted white Civic. <laughs> when He's not internet famous yet, okay? That will come. Oh, okay. okay, so then we can get a better car. Yes, minivan all the way. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Uh, um, Chris? Yep. What do you got? All right. Well, um, uh, speaking of uh, niche audiences that are not the other people on this podcast. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the show I want to talk about this week is uh, the last two episodes of Dragon Ball Super. 
which is uh, the current Dragon Ball series that's happening right now, which is it's actually something kind of special. Um, to give just kind of a basic background on what Dragon Ball is, because I I, I get the suspicion that a, a lot of people that have not seen Dragon Ball or aren't into it don't really understand it. They just think it's a lot of people screaming at each other, which, to be fair... <laughs> I mean, come on now. I've actually seen it, and I know that that's like 78 to 20... to, to like 92% of the show. There is there is a lot of screaming. You know, I said last week that Dragon Ball is a great story told horribly, and... Uh, See, all right, so the, wait, the one thing about the screaming, it's it's something that you don't see in other shows. It's what I call progressive screaming, uh-huh. meaning it starts off at a scream at a lower level, and then it kicks it up a notch, and it kicks it up a notch, and it kicks it up a notch to to make this waterfall of screaming for really absolutely no reason. Well, I mean, it's it's typically done to illustrate a character getting stronger. Um. All right, let, let me let me let me back up. Let me let me start from the beginning. Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball has had several different series. There's uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and uh, now Dragon Ball Super. Dragon Ball is the story of um, Goku, which is a character based on like legendary uh, Sun Wukong, uh, who's like a uh, just like a, a monkey kid who is uh, you know just a little boy with a tail. He lives alone in the woods. Uh, there's these mystical balls, uh, orbs called Dragon Balls, that if you gather all seven together, you summon a dragon and it grants you any wish. So uh, bad guys want to try to get the Dragon Balls. Good guys try to get the Dragon Balls to stop the bad guys from taking over the world. It kind of works like that. Um, the character of Goku has always been about um, testing limits. Like He's uh, very wide-eyed, very innocent, and always wants to test the limits of his strength. Always wants to get stronger. Uh, he loves fighting. Um, and that's kind of the basics of Dragon Ball. Bad guys try to get the Dragon Balls. Good guys try to stop them. They fight. Uh, neat action sequences. Dragon Ball was a little bit more fate based on, on humor uh, than action. Dragon Ball Z takes place with Goku as an adult. Um, in the first episode of Dragon Ball Z, you find out the, uh, the backstory of Goku, which is that He's not just a weird monkey kid. He's actually part of an alien race uh, known as the Saiyans. He was sent to Earth as a child uh, <laughs> to destroy the planet, uh, actually to like wipe out all the life on the planet because they're like planet brokers. They go around and selling planets uh, for a profit, but after they've wiped out the, the uh, indigenous population. But when Goku was a kid, he uh, hit his head. And forgot his mission and grew up being oh. a super nice boy. Oh, that, that's super convenient because if they got gone the other way, really short show. Really short show. Yeah. Uh, Goku is, you know, as an adult, he continues to be, uh, you know, all about fighting and all about getting stronger. He has a kid named Gohan. Um, <laughs> it's all, uh, it, it's, it, it is what it is. It's, it is very anime, but it's a, it's a neat story of watching, yeah, because you get to see, this character grow up like there's no huge gap through dragon ball and dragon ball z it's like when dragon ball starts he's a little kid and as the show progresses he continues to get older by the time the show's over he's like in his teens and then when dragon ball z starts he's like in his early 20s and he has a uh, he has a kid he has a wife and uh you know all this crazy stuff happens that winds up uh, pushing him to his limits this is where the the gold hair comes in this whole super Mm. saiyan thing um Basically, he's you know he's a member of this race called the Saiyans that apparently, uh, when they're pushed beyond their limits, they transform into what is called Super Saiyan, which gives them 
like incredible more power. Like it's just like not just a different hairstyle. Not just a different okay. hairstyle. It's okay. like a completely like times a million of your of your power level or whatever. Uh, which is something that happens throughout Dragon Ball Z is so you know, Goku's best friend is killed and uh, the character that kills him is like this crazy, crazy powerful thing who's beating the shit out of everybody, kills all these people, and then Goku eventually just hits his breaking point, goes Super Saiyan, and kills the guy. Or attempts to kill the guy. Apparently he's really hard to kill. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ball Z went through a very logical progression. Like, uh, the, the whole point of Dragon Ball Z seemed to be that Gohan was going to, like, take Goku's place and surpass him which is where the show was going all the way up till the very end, where they just kind of fell back on this one dumb storytelling trope that they landed on. And uh, I don't know, I didn't like the ending of Dragon Ball Z, but that was that was where it stopped with uh, the original creator, Akira Toriyama. Um, there was another series after Dragon Ball Z called Dragon Ball GT, which is largely attempted to be forgotten because it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> uh the story makes like little to no sense. It betrays all this character development that had been built up over the years. It's just a pile of garbage. Uh, and then Dragon Ball laid dormant for an incredibly long time. And Dragon Ball Super is the first piece of Dragon Ball that uh, the Akira Toriyama, the creator, has been involved in since Dragon Ball Z ended, with the exception of like one or two TV specials, like. And, and this, I mean, Dragon Ball Z ended in, like, the 90s, so it's been a okay. long time. And the, this this property is, is so, I guess, uh, it, it's so popular that it's maintained its popularity even without any actual new content for such a long time. Yeah, I, I had noted that because, like, it's it's prevalent everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and there's really, it's, I guess, with the popularity of uh, the cartoon networks, you know the the channels mm-hmm. that will just rehash not new content i guess it it may have had a life there but its popularity is is swelling from absolutely nowhere yeah i mean they they've you know started making video games around the playstation 2 era that were released in america because they didn't even make games based on this stuff in the states uh for the longest time and yeah it's it's just um it keeps finding new audiences uh, because it's a very relatable story. And it's one of the, it, it's something about the show that it does so incredibly well is that it, it gives you enough character development so that you understand what's going on and who's doing it. And then it does this trick of doling out just enough plot development in an, to, in an episode to make you want to see the next episode. But really a lot of the time, like the reason I'm doing two episodes is that Dragon Ball Super has really fallen into that situation where every now and then an episode will hit and a bunch of stuff happens and it's really interesting but then another episode will happen and like it's about three punches are thrown and that's the entire episode um so there's no consistency to it well it's it consistently follows that same pattern you know you you know what you're getting into you you'll you'll have like filler episode filler episode shit goes down things are interesting uh people scream at each other bad guys fight you know, so it follows this structure, but you never really know where characters are going because they kill folks in this show. Like they kill off characters all the time. Now you, the Dragon Balls exist, so people get wished back to life all the time. No. <laughs> but um, uh, it, it's nobody is ever truly safe. I mean, in the first 
story arc in Dragon Ball Z, Goku gets killed. (laughs) And then you follow him through the afterlife while people are trying to get the Dragon Balls to wish him back to life to stop uh, this alien invasion. It's a it's ridiculous, uh, but it's incredibly fun. So uh, Dragon Ball Super, it kind of uh, takes place before Dragon Ball GT in I'm just going to say negates Dragon Ball GT in its entirety, which is quite delightful. Um, there's a, a character named uh, Beerus, who is this, um, like, an ancient god or whatever that has a... He's like, he looks kind of like um, an Egyptian sphinx-type character. He's, he's, he's a cool character design, and uh, he has this dream of something called a Super Saiyan god. And uh, Beerus is the god of destruction, so what he does is, like, it's his purpose is to go around and destroy things so that other things can be created. Like, he's not evil, he's the god of destruction. But he has this, this dream that there's a Super Saiyan god that can stand up to him. And uh, so he travels around, he's been traveling around trying to find uh, the remaining Saiyans in the universe, which Goku is one of two full-blooded remaining saiyans because their planet got blown up long story mm-hmm. um and he finds goku beats the shit out of him um then threatens to destroy earth because you know he can't find a super saiyan god he's pissed off so obviously he's gonna blow up the earth uh goku has this idea to gather the dragon balls and wish for the ability to become a super saiyan god which works um and where episode 11 picks up was when he they finally you know figure it out goku achieves super saiyan god status and fights Beerus um they are they they squabble a little bit you know do a few things um but Beerus is still obviously much more powerful than Goku uh but once he starts Goku is getting used to his abilities he starts to be able to stand up to Beerus and uh the fight choreography is just outstanding it's what's really cool about Dragon Ball Super is that Dragon Ball Z was created in like the 80s and 90s And animation has come so far, even in something like anime, where it's a typically, uh, I don't know if cheap's the right word, it's definitely a less expensive animation style. It's Mm -hmm. not as, like, fluid as something like Batman the Animated Series, or a lot of those Marvel, you know, modern Marvel and DC animated things. Um, It's, but it it looks so good. Um, There have been a few episodes where the artwork has been, uh, just on weird parts, the artwork just looks like a kid drew it or like it's like fan stuff but uh once we hit this episode 11 the the art style of a a set show changes you know what it's um the art direction is the same but it's like uh almost like they farmed it out or whoever was drawing it that day just wasn't paying attention because uh it just looked terrible (laughs) it looked like it was trying to hit this but there's just some bad frames um Anyway, you know, fight goes really. Uh, the fight looks incredible. They they fly up into the clouds. Um, falls into this typical Dragon Ball trope where Beerus is holding back, only so that he can get more out of Goku. Blah blah blah. Beats the shit out of Goku. Eventually, like punches a hole in him, uh, <laughs> which is uh, like kind of like the turning point of the episode, and where Goku falls back down to Earth. But his like, I don't know, his 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 power that he has obtained with the Dragon Balls is like kind of. Um, it's getting stronger as it goes on, and his will to fight basically heals him, and he flies back up, and he's just like, I'm not done with you yet. Uh, so Beerus starts doing these attacks that Goku can't repel, and Goku figures out ways to counter him, and, you know, it's it, it all just kind of, it makes me very happy, because it's following this whole, the way the show projects fights, like, they'll just uh, do entire episodes just based on a fight, 
And, like, there's little tiny, like, bits here and there of other characters reacting to things. But the whole episode is just showing, you know, the way these characters are are thinking and fighting at the same time. And how Goku is adapting to these different fighting styles. And it's so interesting to watch. Um, at the end of the episode, uh, you know, Goku gets back up, flies back up, uh, and, and Ch- Ch- you know, he heals that hole in him. And he's just <laughs> like, all right, I'm getting good at this. Uh, I'm I'm not done with you yet. And Beerus is like, all right, cool, I'll fight at full power. And so then episode 12 starts, and the two of them just yell at each other for like <laughs> five solid minutes. They're just like screaming, like, because that's how the show illustrates powering up. Like, they just scream and get louder and louder, and the louder they get, the more power they're like projecting or whatever. And really, the whole point of the episode 12 was they just fought. Like, there is there's just more and more fighting, beating the crap out of one one another. Uh, the the plot twist there was that because these are now both like god level characters fighting each other, their hits like when they hit one another are creating these shockwaves that are threatening to rip reality itself apart because it's two gods clashing. Um, and what was interesting is that in the middle of the fight, uh, like the, these these two like other god characters are looking on at, at the fight from a distance and like talking they're they're the ones that are telling the audience what's going to happen and they're like if these guys hit each other one more time like that's it like earth is done and so is this chunk of the galaxy like th- if they hit each other one more time and they go in for for the hit and all these hits connect but then everyone's still there and it turns out that goku had figured this out and while he was keeping up with you know fighting a god he also figured out how to exactly counter his attacks in a way that would cancel out the shockwaves. It was oh, freaking ridiculous. <laughs> That's a twist and a half. <laughs> yeah, it was It was really fun to watch. And, like, so I'm watching these episodes, and the presentation of them is so fun. Like, the music is great. Um, I'm, I'm watching them online. They're, they're still airing in Japan right now. They haven't been localized yet. There's a lot of fans out there that are making subtitles for them. Um, and I watch them through these nefarious means and whatever. <laughs> but I'm watching it. And I'm having so much fun because it feels like old school anime. It doesn't. It's not like filled with angst and and uh, really like weird dark shit yeah, for no good the, reason. The brooding anime was never exactly. Never it's it's not good. brooding anime. It's it's bright. It's colorful. It's well drawn. It's well choreographed, and it's it's dumb fun. And I'm really curious to see where this is going because the other piece of this is that they released a movie. Um, called battle of the gods uh dragon ball z has had a whole lot of movies over the years and the movies are not in continuity with the show like they're one-offs they're one-offs and they seem like they they pull inspiration and information from the shows but they could not possibly fit in with any timeline (laughs) in any way shape or form and so they had this movie battle of the gods where this beerus character was introduced and this new series seems to be retelling that except it's uh, now here around, I'd say like maybe around episode 9 or 10, it started to veer off in a different direction. So now it's it's kind of played up uh, parallel with Battle of the Gods to a point, and now it's starting to twist off to the side. It's it's really interesting. Nice. Nice. I, I, I never was a big fan of, of the show. I'm never actually a big fan of anime, I, and I don't know why, because the stuff that I did have watched, like I consider um Aang, uh, Last Airbender. Very anime-like. It's very anime-inspired, yeah. And I love that show. And and 
all the show the the, the show that came after Cora Cora oh Legend of Cora is fantastic. I mean both very good shows. I just never I don't know maybe it was the 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 zeal of the people that introduced me to it like way back back in you know our Hollywood video days mm-hmm. and it just I'm like no I I don't have enough emotion in my in my soul to start watching this that I don't want to get addicted to it or I don't this too much it, it's it's too much so but you never know it's a different yeah it's a very different style of storytelling um last airbender and legend of korra are very um they're very very brilliant marriages of american style television and japanese anime right so it takes certain things from anime and uses and tells those stories in a way that's uh smarter and less based on like episode count i mean dragon ball z and Dragon Ball are just have this obscene number of episodes because they're just they're so full of filler. And a lot of times these shows line up with a um, a manga as well. So right. like the book will fall behind, so the show is forced to sit in filler episodes until more books uh, are written, kind of thing. I you see. know, that makes so, okay, that makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but now I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty silly, and it's it's just a, it's a very different culture, but. Like I said, I, I'm. I don't think I'm doing this story any justice because it is so absurd. But no, I mean, no, no. Really... It sounded pretty absurd. You're, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's it is ridiculously absurd. Like when I say it out loud, but it's like you know, try to do a synopsis of the Flash or or something, and, and tell that to somebody who's never seen it before. It's all going to sound oh, absurd. Right. Like this is. No more crazy than half the comic books and stuff that that you and me read, or, or half the universes that we know. It's just that these rules have been built up over such a long period of time, and the show handles it in a way that it, it never takes itself too seriously. So I, I guess that's one of the things that I, I liked so much about it is that it's got just this right sense of humor to it, but at the same time, it it builds suspense in a way that it always feels like the stakes are really high. So like when uh, Goku as a character is just this he is this good guy that is you know just obsessed with with fighting and being stronger but not because he's like angry or anything like that it's just it's it's in his nature he he wants to become stronger and uh he wants to do do right you know he's not superman which is i we, i could have a whole conversation about what they've done as far as the localization of Dragon Ball Z and how they've made him into more of a superman character because the japanese goku is not that he's you know not an incredible father and and you know standing up for peace and justice he's just a good guy that is interested in challenges um okay. and he's you know he's a flawed individual he's certainly not smart but the fact that he's so fun and so carefree that when things actually get serious in the show and people are actually in danger and he gets pushed to to his limits and other characters get pushed to those limits um it's really interesting to see because it handles that that drama back and forth and it is i don't know if soapy is the right word but it is it just kind of you, you get kind of mixed up in this world these characters and the way they interact with one another it's I would love to see somebody else take this on someday. Like we've we've spoken before about things like remakes and reboots. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing that I would be really interested to see somebody else's take on, but something smart uh, and with respect to the source material, not like that absolutely god awful Dragon Ball movie that came out recently, oh. which was 
uh, Dragon Ball Evolution was just a steaming pile. Uh, <laughs> but somebody else, like, like somebody else who who respects the source material, creating a new animated series with less filler and just with more of a focus. I would be really interested to see where something like that would go. Well, uh, with a show like, from what it sounds like, with a show that is also tied into a, a manga of sorts, it's it's too much story that it, ha- it for it to keep going back and forth through the two mediums. One, the, it's not paced; they're not paced the same. So, if a show was to be redone or, or the the show was to be rebooted in a way, it would have to be its own standalone thing, so it could have its own storyline and be self-contained because like you said if the manga slows down the show has to slow down it seems that if the 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 manga wasn't there the show would progress normally you know and and you wouldn't get as much filler issues or or episodes i should say i guess what would be interesting about a reboot is that this story now already exists so i would like i would like to see somebody else's take on telling the stories that they've already told gotcha gotcha my question is, how do they keep, you, you say that there are these incredible stakes, and I'm wondering how we, how they make you, as a fan of the show, um, invested in those stakes and believe in those stakes when, as you say, somebody dies all the time and then they just get wished back to life. For me, that just like erases all the stakes of, of a story. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it, that's, it's kind of a running joke on the show a little bit, but it's also, it's also handled with, um, it's, it's handled kind of clever. Like, all right, um, the original limitation of the Dragon Balls was that a character could, somebody could only, you can only ask for the same wish once. So once you wish somebody back to the dead, you can't wish them back because once you ask for a million dollars, you can't ask for a million dollars again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the dragon won't request the same wish, won't grant the same wish twice. So that was a limitation, but then they killed off characters that had already been killed off. So they worked their way around that by having the species that created the Dragon Balls. There's another set of Dragon Balls on another planet, and that dragon would wish to grant the same wish more than once and will also grant you three wishes but also has less power in some ways like for example if you asked uh, the earth dragon shenron to bring back these 10 people that this guy killed he could only bring back one at a time but Peronga, the namekian dragon he would be able to bring back um uh sorry shenron could bring back <laughs> Ten people at once. Peronga could only bring back one, but you'd get three wishes. You know what I mean? So it's like they, they kind of did this whole trade-off. And, like, you know, characters... By the end of Dragon Ball Z, these characters are so strong, they can, like, blow up planets at the blink of an eye. So it's it's always interesting to see how they're going to create something that could believably be more powerful than the heroes of the show. And they managed to do it each time, uh, which is which is crazy. Like, the the first characters that come are the these saiyans nappa and vegeta and they're just genuinely stronger than goku because they're this different species and they're they're awesomely strong the second villains that they fight in dragon ball z is a character named frieza who is like this overlord alien thing that's even more powerful than all those characters which is believable because he's the one that bosses around the saiyans he couldn't do that if he wasn't genuinely more powerful then when they come, you know, the character they hit up after Frieza is a character named Cell, who is uh, technology based. And then after they've beaten this crazy technology android thing, the, the last character they fight is Majin Buu, who is a mystical thing. 
that deals with spirituality and stuff. So it keeps taking on these different forms of different things that can be stronger, kind of following this this logical progression of power structure, where GT shits on that is just like, and eh, now there's aliens and more robots, and they're somehow stronger than these people that can freaking throw planets around. So obviously fighting something like a god in Dragon Ball Super is really the only place that you could realistically go without somehow depowering all these characters, which would then betray the whole purpose of the series in the first place. Chris, <clears throat> Chris, not, not, not for nothing, I could literally feel Karen rolling her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's because we have those special eye-rolling mics. <laughs> we do. I don't know. It's Karen, clearly the, not the, for the me. Simple, it's just... The simple answer is big dumb fun is big dumb fun. You find and your, I love you find big your dumb niche, fun. and and like Chris's big dumb fun, he'll find the logic in it. Like my big dumb fun would be, I don't know, the Expendables. There's absolutely no fucking way that Sylvester Stallone is going to die, but for like nine tenths of the movie, I'm worried about it. <laughs> okay, it's it's Evan it's, can't <laughs> sleep. Because he's afraid. No, no, no. I have, I have to watch the whole worry, movie. Evan, if he dies, they can wish him back with the Dragon Balls. <laughs> oh, there you go. I see how you tied it all up. Very well done, sir. Uh, Evan. Yes, dear. You Do you have something for us? I do, as a matter of fact. Um, I checked out the, the pilot episode, of, which I guess would be the season opener of, of Blindspot. Um, it's on uh, NBC, and it stars Jamie Alexander. Now, I recognize this woman. Is I have... that Lady Sif? I... Thank you! My God, oh. that was bothering me! <laughs> wow. I know oh, things. I could go to sleep now. Um, That really was going to keep me up. All right. First off, I was enthralled. This show this show was awesome. So, uh, it starts off in Times Square. New York City Times Square. Um. Don't know if you've ever been there. As opposed to all the other times. As opposed to the other times squares. Yes. Times Square, New Jersey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey. And it's there's hustle, there's bustle, there's lots of lots of people, lots of lights, lots of lots of lots of going on. And one cop. And he's the stereotypical. Of course. <laughs> stereotypical. Well, parking tickets. Right. All right. Stereotypical guy, just flumping around. He's got a mustache. And he sees this duffel bag just in the middle of the sidewalk. And mind you, there are hundreds of people walking through the screen, like, like, through the, the camera view. And he's like randomly asking people, is that yours? Hey, do you know who that belongs to? These people have probably walked four or five blocks already. Gone, but random. So they call in the bomb squad. Cause, cause on the bag is a tag that says, uh, call the FBI. So the, the bomb squad comes in. They, they see the tag, and all of a sudden the bag starts to move, and the bomb squad dude backs up and pulls out a gun. Now, because I, that's what you do. Is that's you shoot you a bomb. Well, yeah, like that was. There's a lot of. There was a lot of little flaws in this show, but I'm letting them all go. Okay, the fact that he's covered head to toe in bomb protective gear, except for his hands. Now, I understand <laughs> that maybe he has to fiddle with things and gloves wouldn't help, but it just took me out. And when the bag started to move, he just like took a half step back and quickly took this gigantic mass of a suit that he's wearing, spins out a gun, like 
almost quick draw. Inside the bag is our lead character. We're going to call her Jane because I went through a whole episode and she doesn't know her name, which is integral to the story. She, she, she crawls out of this bag. Now, it's a, it's a good-sized duffel bag, I mean, but she's, she's scrunched in there and she's naked. Oh, by the way, lots of, lots of butt in this show. <laughs> she, 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 she's naked and she starts to crawl out. And as she's, she's crawling out, you can see she's covered in tattoos. The only parts of her body that I could see that aren't really covered in tattoos are the palms of her hands and her face. Her chin line has tattoos, her neck, her every other part except for her face and the palms of her hands. And, they seem to be random. Can't really, you don't see any patterns or anything. You know, they point a gun at her and say, get down, get, get on your knees, put your hands on your head. You know, naked woman who just crawled out of a duffel bag. <laughs> you could be dangerous. They take her to, they, they, they take her away. Now, the side story for the opening is this group of FBI agents raiding a house in kentucky that is it has like four women a baby and one guy holding them all hostage a toothless like looking fella you know not the most attractive they're all bruised battered and beaten and 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 the fbi are working their way through this house trying to i'm assuming save these women and and children uh, due to the fact that there are so many people, they can't just start opening fire because apparently there's a, a baby baby in there. And so, uh, the, the, the lead male, um, Kurt, <laughs> his name is Sullivan Stapleton, says, uh, how many charges do you have? To his, his partner. And you, you think it's like a throwaway, but the next scene is this woman in a bathroom screaming for help toothless joe like launching himself down the hallway to go attack her and the fbi perfectly timing an explosion so a perfect circle blows up underneath him and he falls a story straight down <laughs> straight out of fun Looney Tunes shit fucking right scooby-doo shit right there it was awesome <laughs> they capture him save the 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 the, the damsels in distress the baby when they're all working their way out of the house, this helicopter lands in the street and these guys come out and they say, uh, you know, Kurt Weller, there's, there's an incident in New York. You need to come right away. So we have no backstory on anybody yet. Okay. But we know apparently this guy's important for some reason. So we get to New York, FBI headquarters. She's now, she, the, the, the tattooed broad, she's got clothes on now and he's, he's there. And they, uh, I shouldn't say close. She has a, what's that? The, the hospital robe thing. You know, the thing that opens up in the back. So gown. yeah, that's it. The gown. Um, this is this, this Kurt fella is talking to, I would guess his liaison in New York. Um, man, a woman by the name of, uh, Mayfair. And she show she shows him tattoo girl. And she goes, do you know her? And he goes, uh, no, I've never seen her before in my life. And then she, she bangs on the glass and they, they pick the girl up. She's sitting on a table. They stand her up and they turn her around and open the back of her robe, butt shot. And you see that half of her back has a tattoo with his name on it. It says, you know, FBI agent Kurt Weller. And it looks like a, like a the dollar bill print, you know. So 
Apparently, he's important. Nobody knows why. So they, they start to talk to this woman, and apparently there's a, a drug called Zeta Protein. I, I don't know if it's real or not, but if it is, it's kind of cool because it's it's being designed for, for PTSD uh, sufferers mm-hmm. to help them forget. Taken in small doses, it, it helps them forget their trauma. Oh, okay? I see. So it I, turns I, out... I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the, it, it, the, the first question that pops out of the, their mouths to the doctor is, well, how, did, did, they, did you find trace amounts of it in her system? And the doctor's like, no, 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 no. We found a shit ton of it in our system. They didn't say shit ton. <laughs> Is that a medical term? <laughs> That's a medical term. Apparently, someone has drugged her with this special memory wiping drug for unknown reasons. Um, it's Well, that's neat. That's an explanation for amnesia we haven't seen before. Right. It's a medically induced amnesia. Now, it's not affecting her. We'll call them like. I don't even want to say long-term. It's it's the the what do they call cognitive functions like walking, talking. She understands English, but she doesn't remember anything from the point before she got out of the bag. Okay. Okay. So this is going to be one of those hey puzzle piece this shit together so we know what's going on. There is a a a female doctor that's helping her out and she looks so familiar to me and i'm gonna find out and i'll probably throw it into the next episode she was a little girl and like full house or something i it wasn't full house but oh she was the little daughter from growing pains thank you oh my god that was you another did one. that all on your yeah, own yeah that was one of those faces <laughs> you don't need I to thank no, anybody but i your thanked brain. myself so they they scan her body so they take yeah, butt shot again They take all pictures of her whole body so they get all the tattoos digitized so they can look at them. And apparently they they bring her so that she can look at them and hopefully it'll trigger some memories. And they're looking at the screen and all of a sudden there's some Chinese caricatures right behind her left ear. And she's looking at the screen. She goes, I I haven't seen this one. And, and, you know, the, the daughter from Growing Pains goes, oh, that's because it's behind your left ear. And then she reads it out loud. Now, Amnesia Girl all of a sudden speaks Chinese. And she understands it, and and it's an address. Is she the intersect? It's okay. Ah. So they they go to the address. I'm gonna try to make this really quick because I'm just gonna hit on the hot spots. They go to the address. There's a guy Cho or Chow. Uh, They find they go to his apartment. He's not there anymore. There's another guy there. Uh, He only speaks Chinese. She's communicating now. They, They they're. The FBI is reserved about bringing her to, to crime scenes or to, to places that might be too dangerous because, you know, they're not sure how capable she is of protecting herself. They they talk to the roommate. They the, the, the tattoo girl. We're just going to keep calling her Jane because they keep calling her Jane Doe. It just bothers me. Uh, Jane Doe and Chinese guy go outside and stand in the hallway and they, they bust open this room and they see all this medical equipment. Looks sort of like a meth lab. And it turns out Cho or Chow was making... C4. And he has a video on his computer that's, it's sort of a message for after the bomb goes off. Okay. What an explosive plot twist. Right? Oh, no. God damn it. Oh. So they're figuring all this. FBI's in the room figuring this shit out, you know, cracking codes and watching videos. And Jane's in the hallway with a Chinese guy. And all of a sudden they hear screaming down the hallway, like, ah, ah, help me, help me type of thing, but in Chinese. And then 
she finds out that the the landlord of the building beats his wife mercilessly. So she goes to go help the wife. I don't know what possessed her to do that because she doesn't know anything. She didn't. Anyhow, she goes. She confronts them. She's he's like, get out of my apartment. I know the law. Get out. And another guy comes in and they start to attack her. And she beats the ever living shit out of everybody. Like Matrix style kung fu. It was awesome. And it it if you saw Daredevil where that 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 hallway scene. It was uh-huh. very reminiscent of that because they leave this very tiny apartment. They leave the apartment. They're in the hallways fighting on stairs and sticks being broken. It was awesome. FBI guy finds her, sees this going on. And she's like, I don't know what happened. It just happened. It was like muscle memory type of thing. And he's like, it's all right. You were protecting yourself. They're alive. We'll figure this out. Turns out Chow is going to blow up the Statue of Liberty. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because of reasons. Because of reasons. So they end up uh, finding Chow on his way to go blow up the Statue of Liberty, and he's on a train, and there's a he sees that he's being followed, and he gets off the train, but before getting off the train, he detaches cars behind so that the FBI is stuck on train cars that have no engine, and there's this giant clump of C4. Like, it, it was... The si- it was a suitcase size, and it looked like Play-Doh. So, of course, the timer is wired to this, and it's such a special timer that you just can't pull the wires out of the clay and throw the clay away. So what, what Kurt does, he just peels away a bunch of the clay, leaves the wires in, but just takes a lot of it off, and then throws it down the, <laughs> throws it down the tunnel. Big explosion. Everybody's okay. <sighs> It's a fucking roller coaster of emotion, this show. <laughs> they go, then they go to the Empire State, uh, excuse me, Statue of Liberty. They confront, they find Cho. He's dressed as a park ranger. <laughs> Cho gets the jump on Kurt. <laughs> He's, Kurt is being held at knife point to his throat. And then Jane comes upstairs and all of a sudden Jane has a gun. Not really sure. I must have blinked because I don't remember her having a gun or anybody giving her a gun, but she got a gun. And Kurt is, he looks at her and he gives her that knowing look. Go ahead, shoot him. Now, what Jane doesn't know is before getting to the Statue of Liberty, Kurt talked to his people at the FBI and they saw that one of the tattoos on her body does not, is not like the others. It's a big black square. Okay, so they deduce that that was a tattoo that she had before all of this happened, because mind you, story plot point, she got all of the tattoos on her body at the same time within a week of being found. Ouch. (laughs) Okay, so what they do is they use some scientific laser light thing and look at the tattoo underneath the black square. And it turns out it's a Navy SEAL logo. Like all the special ops Navy SEALs people, they get this tattoo. So he knows that she's possibly a Navy SEAL and says to her with his eyes, shoot this guy who is three inches away from my head. I know you can do it. She does it. Yay. (laughs) Okay. So, uh. They, they, they go back to, uh, Chow's in the hospital. Uh, they go back to FBI. 
they they start talking about you know giving more information you know this is what they found and so on and so forth they're sort of keeping her in the dark which is kind of surprising but there's there's a twist because at the end when when they were leaving chow's apartment there was a bearded dude standing on the corner maybe you saw him maybe you didn't but he you could see if you did catch him he knows something's going on we find out later through a flashback or a memory retrieval that he trained her and drugged her with this special mind wipe drug. We don't know why, but he is the he's the the linchpin of this whole show. He's not a good guy. We found that out too because he ends up killing Chow in a hospital bed while he was being while he was recovering from the bullet hole in his shoulder. That memory lost girl had the amazing fortitude to shoot him. And all in all, really entertaining show. I mean, fantastic and. There are so many tattoos on this girl that let's say it's let's say this her body tattoo coverage is a puzzle that each one of the 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 the, the tattoos is the reason for an episode. This show's going to go on for like 14 years. <laughs> okay? They did a really good job. I'm hooked. I I I I enjoyed it immensely and like it, like it was just it was just dumb fun. I mean, very little thinking, because the more you thought about it, the more your head started to hurt. Like, why are they giving her a gun? She Does, does she even know how to use a gun? Stuff like that. But all in all, I, I suggest everybody watch it, because I want to see where this show goes. Because right out the gate, bananas. That sounds like fun. It was. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm sold. I'm, <laughs> I, I, we'll, we'll get right on that in all that spare time we don't have. Yeah, this is true. Squeezing that shit wow. in. I, we love we love. Uh, I was gonna call her Lady Sif, but that's not her real name. That's yeah. Uh, that was bothering me because I'm looking at her the whole show, going, "I recognize this woman. I know who she is." And she's and just. We know she can kick ass. Yes, I mean, she's. But you know what? The, the she's very. I don't want to say fr- she's much thinner looking in this show. Maybe it's because you just see her like fifty percent of the show naked, and not covered in leather and armaments. I don't know, but. Uh, she did a really good job. I mean, the, the acting that she did on her face, like just her facial expressions of being confused and being uh, like upset at the fact that she can't remember who she is or what's going on, like the emotion that just ran through her face. She did a, a fantastic job. Well, that's um. I mean, I was pretty interested in this show from watching the trailers, and you've definitely sold yeah, it. Yeah, so good times, good times. All right, uh, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be back with a quick wrap up with our uh, our main topic. Stay tuned. Terrible video games happen. Unlicensed video games happen too. But when you combine those two with the majesty of the Super Nintendo port of Wolfenstein 3D and make it about the Bible, you have yourselves the making of a truly spectacularly awful or awesome video game experience. Surprising no one, Chris owns this game, it's going to tell you all about it. Don't miss Into the Vault Episode 12, Super 3D Noah's Ark. Next, we're not the only ones talking TV this week. Brandon and Travis take some time to talk about a few fall premieres, such as Minority Report, Heroes Reborn, The Muppets, and Starsky and Hutch Steampunk Revolution. One of those shows isn't real, but which one? Find out when you listen to Apathetic Enthusiasm, Episode 33, Minority Muppet Heroes. Then, it's the season premiere of the Paper Cuts Podcast. 
Evan and Dan had a rough week in comics. It seems that not every week is filled with spectacular titles like Convergence or Worlds Unite, but there's some hope on the horizon. That hope is Dean and his dreams for the future. The family is all back together in Paper Cuts issue 53. It's so sticky! Finally, it's Banned Books Week, and Erin Abamandi takes a look at the 1999 novel-turned-movie Perks of Being a Wallflower. Why? Because it was banned. Read about the effects it had on youth culture, literature in general, and the surprising connection with Starsky and Hutch. Steampunk revolution in banned books, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Available now in the Think Tank. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at Geekade.com. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. And we're back. Um, part two of this fantastically long episode. Heroes Reborn, people. We watched it. Well, some of us watched the whole thing. Others of us did not. Spoiler alert, I only watched half of it. We'll find but you out. watched all the uh, the webisodes. Yes, that's true. I did watch all the webisodes, which were kind of a waste of time. Yeah, I did. I liked them. Well, I, I guess they were all right. When the webisodes first started coming out, I started checking them out, and they're much better in one clump when they, you know, when yes, they're all released. Definitely. Yeah, that's how I watched them. Yeah. And I feel like they're also better after having watched the first uh you know the premiere of heroes as well like kind oh. of as a going back thing i thought that was pretty neat absolutely i would agree with that as well all right first and foremost what did we think of it before we get any specific details how did we feel about the premiere eh. is that a resounding meh because i would agree with you <laughs> i think i was more keen on it than um than you guys were i mean i dug it i i'm interested in in continuing to watch it it didn't quite capture the magic of the first season of the original heroes but it was a damn sight better than what followed the first this, season that of is heroes. very that is very very true i mean within the the first half of the episode there were moments i, I don't know seeing a horn rim again and the 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 light-hearted horned rim when he was wandering through um where the bomb went uh, off waco odessa. odessa odessa you know like i i i couldn't i couldn't remember how heroes the you know proper ended did that have anything to do with the ending of heroes uh yeah i mean the the heroes ended with claire jumping off of the ferris wheel and saying you know this is attempt number oh i forget and basically showing the world that she has had powers and that was where it stopped okay that was pretty much the last scene of the last episode all right that and then okay that i do remember that but i'm talking about that whole the congregation of of what do they call it, Evos, and everybody trying to get together, and it, everybody's starting to look happy, and things are going to progress, and everybody's going to be, you know, joining hands and kumbayaing, and then the fucking place blows up, you know. I, yeah, no, that wasn't even sniffed at in okay. the original series. All right. My take on the show is that they're trying very hard to tap into every aspect of geekdom possible, and it's bothersome. Do a show, write a good story, don't worry about having to get specifically video games into it or uh like they're doing powers now for the sake of powers in the first episode how many different powers did we see or alluded to actually within the first 15 minutes of the show was that that's when they had the the old yeah, man running in the show in, in in pinball style in the room mm-hmm. and yeah. chuck shows up that was a twist i didn't i, I wasn't aware that chuck was in the, the show um that was one of the things that was actually made me want to watch the show 
uh, was because he was in it. Mm. And when I saw that he was in it, I was like, oh, great. And he's playing a different character and he's not lighthearted. He's very, I don't know, we'll call it serious. It appears that he is part of a hunting group hunting for Evos. Was there uh, in the second half, did we find out more about his little group? I don't know if the group is any bigger than him and his wife. Yeah, that girl that he was with was his wife, mm-hmm. and their daughter died at the, um, the you know, life's gonna get better thing. They were both there to support Evos, and then, you know, shit went down, they lost their kid, and they blame the Evos, and so they're traveling around murdering them. Okay, I, I And did... that's as much depth as those characters get. <laughs> okay, alright, because I did, I, 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 I might, I might argue against that a little bit, that's as much depth as their backstory gets, but... I was really interested in Zach Levi's character because at first he seems just like cold-hearted killer. Uh, I'm just very monotone and I'm out to, to kill these these freaks. By the end, you realize that that isn't stone-cold killer. It's resignation. Like He's starting to doubt, like, is this really worth killing these people for? Is it really their fault? Maybe seeing the fault in what he's doing, but at the same time still willing to go forth and kill all these people. And the fact that they are so effective at killing people kind of alludes to some sort of interesting backstory. At least I would hope it would lead to allude to some sort of interesting backstory. So I don't know. I thought when he started to suggest in the second uh, in the second part of it that perhaps what they're doing isn't necessarily the right path. I was interested. I was far more interested in him at that point. I think she's dumb one note character. I, I think she's she's a waste. And furthermore, I think he hates her. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. Like, those two clearly don't like one another. Um, uh, are probably just still married because of their equal hatred of Evos. But just in general, she seems like a real shitty character. I don't know. Um, to, to liken this to a, to a comic book, like, um, like the show is clearly evoking comic books is really what it, its whole premise is based on. Uh, there was a, an event in DC called Flashpoint. Uh, where they mm. were kind of doing all this alternate universe stuff, and those two characters reminded me a bit of uh, what happened to Thomas and Martha Wayne. Because in this alternate universe, Bruce Wayne was killed, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, and Martha Wayne becomes the Joker. Instead of it being as interesting as her becoming the Joker, it was like a really dumb take on that. I, I And you know what? Now that you say that out loud, I could see the, I don't know, the shadow of that story. Um, yeah. the What really grabbed me with uh levi levi right zach, zach, levi. zach levi his character was that when he's sitting at the the meeting at the very beginning of it mm-hmm. and you you see yeah i didn't get stone cold killer even though i just watched like you know two and a half seconds of him killing everybody in the room it's the the, the a man dealing with the loss of his child in the only way he knows how to i see more backstory for him the fact that I felt that for him and didn't even realize that that woman was his wife or the mother of his child it means that she's she's not going to have anything or they well, or they're going to shoehorn something in. Yeah, I feel like her her like I didn't realize that at first until they explicitly said it in the show and I feel like that was intended to be a reveal but it was really kind of a failure. Like if that was supposed to be exciting or interesting that those two turned out to be, you know, yeah, I just assumed as you're going through the show that he lost his wife and his kid. Right. But then when it turned out that she was there and she was the wife, I was like, oh, well, I still don't give a shit about this character. It's <laughs> <This is> still <laughs> dumb. All right. Well, let's let's take a, a hop back within the middle of the. Well, I guess it was the middle of the first half of the premiere. 
we meet Hornrim again, Noah Bennett. It is apparent that he has lost some sort of memory. We're not sure how much, what happened, but he is rolling through life with a glimmer of what he once was. He's at home chatting with his soon-to-be wife because they're talking about planning a wedding, and a gentleman is sort of creeping outside his house. He goes out to confront, so then we start seeing, you know, the Noah that we knew because, I mean, like ninja-style vanishes and then jumps this guy, and it turns out that the guy is from the webisodes. Now, for those that hadn't seen the webisodes, it was a very elongated short story about a brother and sister. Uh, the sister is an Evo, and her power, uh, controlling her shadow, uh, she could separate her it's shadow. Like she can control light and shadow. Yeah, yeah like she like like absorbed darkness. darkness in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, within, within that, I don't even remember how many original episodes it was, or webisodes, six. was it six? I believe it's six. That's when the incident in Odessa happens, and he loses his sister. And he then goes on this crusade to find out what's going on because it turns out that somebody has decided to pin the whole thing on one of the original cast members uh, whose name is escaping me right now. um, Mohinder Suresh. Yes, Mohinder. My least favorite character in all of the hero shows, but that's fine. He doesn't believe that he's responsible and he tasked himself to find out the truth and apparently all roads point to noah noah is confronted noah does some confronting and some (laughs) this is just this elongated conversation between the two of them just to get story out as opposed to you know pacing it well enough throughout the whole episode they just clump it in with this interaction between the two of them in, I don't know, what, three minutes? It's plot devices like that 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 bother me, where there's half of that... I mean, a quarter of the episode is filler. Why why do I care about the little boy that can transport people? Oh my god, that kid. Why? Why do I need to know that he's trying... He's he's got the hots for the bully's girlfriend, and uh, he's gonna go get a job at an ice cream shop. I'm super not interested in this character. I'm super annoyed that one of the main characters is a kid who is not a very good actor <laughs> no no and, like, and he looks familiar too yeah yeah i'm not gonna be able to help you on this one he did look familiar to me but it was it wasn't stirring enough for me to go this is gonna keep me up the unfortunate part about that kid is he seems to be the through line because the episode starts with him the middle of the episode is confrontation with him and I should say, and then the end of the first half is him. Uh, if he doesn't turn around right quick and start being a good actor, it's going to be another point on this show lost. Like, I just, there's not enough else to keep me enthralled like it should. Like the first, like, I mean, the first season of Heroes was phenomenal. So good. So good. So good. That dumb luchador mask character, oh, that, that was, was also a... really dumb. Oh my god, I, I totally even that. forgot about him. Yeah. Like, I watched this whole thing <laughs> all two hours, and like, and I took notes about what it was that I was going to talk about. Completely forgot about that guy. Uh, That's but... how impactful that <laughs> part of the story was. Yeah, but, I mean, the things that did work, like, alright, for example, I thought it was a really neat reveal in the webisodes to have uh, Micah come back from the original yeah. series. Was like, oh, and shit, that was the it. same actor all was grown it? up. I was going like, uh-huh. to ask I thought that, that was really cool. <laughs> yes. 
Um, See, and uh, but they this, immediately uh, got put him in a situation where there's the possibility he's gone. Yes, that is true. Uh, which is kind of lame. I will say that the other thing, uh, I, I I guess this happened in the second episode, was that um they explained Noah's uh, memory loss, which I thought was cool. Uh, did you get to that part? That Evan? it's it they. Okay, it was the end of the first half where he goes to the eye doctor. And the Haitian sensation showed up? Yes, the Haitian was there and tries to kill him. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I thought that was pretty neat that, uh, you know, it was almost like a a touch of Wolverine in there. Like, no, no, you asked us to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you wanted your memory erased. Uh, So that's going to be fun to watch him try to figure out why he had his own memory erased. Uh, a little dumb, I think, to kill off the Haitian. Uh, we didn't really need to do that. <laughs> no. I don't... But, I, like, the, the confrontation between the two of them, you know, the Haitian sneaks up behind him and, and throws a, you know, what, what should be a piano wire around his throat, but looked like <laughs> fucking quarter-inch steel cable. Noah struggles to get the, the cable off of his neck and then pulls a gun. If he didn't want to shoot the Haitian, why did you pull the gun? Uh reasons <laughs> like uh, come on now but look i mean I, I definitely liked this show uh more than you guys did but uh i mean i'm not i'm not going to defend it too harshly because it was dumb like it they definitely had its problems i w- i'm definitely interested enough to keep watching but yeah it, it 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 had major issues was this even a good idea i guess is the main question like it could have not been. only it could have been yeah i mean rebooting heroes like the how far that show went off the rails i don't know if continuing this series in an attempt to salvage it was a smart idea i guess it it technically could have been but i mean it's also got to be noted that they named this series heroes reborn okay which would you even consider this a reboot because it's still the same plot line straight up continuation yeah yeah okay um which i mean they might have been smarter with a reboot uh i i don't know because the, the the problem, I guess the main problem is that all that garbage that happened in the latter seasons of Heroes is, you know, it still happened. Mm-hmm. They, they're not erasing any of that stuff. All that dumb stuff still happened. But I guess, you know, we're just not going to concentrate on the fact that Peter Petrelli doesn't seem to exist anymore or uh, well, they, whatever the hell happened They have an Siler. out for that because they blew up everybody. True. And I think that that was their device to try and let the explosion in the beginning was like okay here's our symbol of we're gonna try and make this new show have nothing to do with the old show or as little as possible to do and like here's a big explosion that blows up the connection between the two shows (sighs) except that then they kept doing the same thing that the old shows did so and and they throughout the (laughs) the show they referenced you know previous characters like you know eighth wonder comics yeah it's all right, I would like to talk about the spot in this first half of the premiere that made me stop. Mm-hmm. We have a story thread um, that takes place in, I'm assuming, Japan, because uh, they're yeah. talking in, in, in foreign language and subtitles. And I believe it is Japan, yeah. It sounds like Japanese. The, a young man shows up at a house or an apartment. Walks in, knocks on the door, and of course the door is slightly ajar. Walks in, takes off his shoes, and then sees a girl and starts talking to the girl. 
Now, I understand that there is a language barrier between me and the Japanese speaking on screen, but there are words there. They, they, they gave me subtitles. The worst interaction I have ever seen on television. It was hot. He actually at one point in time said, I'm a gamer. I'm pretty famous. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll look past that. Apparently she, he, he's giving her information about she has some sort of backstory that deals with her father. And the reason he knows that is because he has a comic book. Excuse me. It's probably a manga. Not that you could tell because it was an English published comic. And that may just be because of my experience with manga and comic books. It was bound backwards. Did you notice that, Chris? Uh, no, no, <laughs> <Okay>. I was, uh, <laughs> I was distracted by the fact that I couldn't believe they were literally trying to retread, uh, Ando and Hero y- in the first yes. series. Yes, exactly what they were doing. Apparently she derives her powers from a sword that was given to her by her father, and the reason- Which is very clearly Hero's sword. Yes. From and wasn't that series. Hero's father? Yeah, I recognize the, the father character. Yeah, but Hero's father was uh, George Takei. No, mm. I, yeah. But, okay. So the guy who is the girl's father is not Hero's father, but I recognize that. Yeah, that actor does look familiar, but yeah. Hero's dad was that... George Takei. That's right. You're, you're right. All right. I feel Neither like here he, nor was there. The guy, he was the... <laughs> Never mind. He, had some... he was on a different show. I re- it doesn't... Okay. that it's That's not the point. The point is... She finds the sword because she follows the the breadcrumbs that are are left for her through a comic book. And when she unsheaths the sword, she becomes a fucking video game. Which, as a power, doesn't make a shit bit of sense. And as a gamer, it was like... That's not what video games looked like. That's not what video games have ever looked like or will ever look like. That just looked like shitty CG. It was so bad. It was it was terrible. So bad. That was, I was I was embarrassed for the show at that point. And but I mean, this is a sensation I'm used to because video games are usually not portrayed even remotely correctly on TV shows. Like typically speaking, you'll just see somebody fiddling with a controller that'll be like a PlayStation Four controller with a Atari Twenty Six Hundred sound effects mm-hmm. coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's not an exaggeration. It is always either Pac Man or Donkey Kong for Atari Twenty Six Hundred. <laughs> Those specific sound effects are coming out of the TV. But I digress. This was a really, really embarrassing representation of of video games. But not only that, but as a power. It doesn't make sense because, all right, this is something that X-Men has have been doing for eons and eons. And, like, these kinds of powers that happen are kind of based on, on something of some kind of natural base, you know? Like, there's some sort of nature involved in it. And being able to interface with a video game does not make any evolutionary sense at all in any stretch of the imagination. Like, nope. it just doesn't. It would be like... You know, my power, I, I woke up with a mutant power that is the ability to control toasters. Like, I, I, only toasters. Toaster ovens? No. Refrigerators? No. Just toasters. <laughs> this completely fabricated, man-made thing, my power that I was born with, is to interact with toasters. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. No. And, and it, that's, that's, where, that's where it lost me. And it's going to have, it's an, I will watch the second half, or, you know, episode two, and I'll probably give it till episode three. But it's an uphill battle for this show. I, I pose this question to you two because you watched the second half. Why 
was the Asian dude who died in the fire at the beginning. Why was he out in the Arctic chained to a weight and then cut off his own hand to fly away? No, nothing. Nobody. No. Uh, okay. Nope. All right. What's... Absolutely no reason. I did find it interesting that his flight power was illustrated the same way as the flight as the Petrelli's flight power yeah. in well that's the original one. Yeah. I thought that was interesting, but then they set him on fire and killed him. Yeah. So so much for interesting. The dude with the pennies. Any more backstory on him? Oh, the penny dude. Yeah. Yes. No more backstory no. on him. Okay. No. Okay. That's kind of neat, though. He's got some sort of mind uh, control powers that he can either do that with or really or fucking awesome pennies. Because at this point, we don't know if he's got the power or if it's the pennies. He found a shit ton of magical pennies. I would imagine that his power <laughs> is uh, is derived from like. He can use pennies to hypnotize people or something, or just, you know, copper in general or whatever metals are used in the pennies. And because of that, he has collected a whole bunch of pennies. But he seems to look for specific ones to accomplish specific tasks. So it, the power might be a little bit more complex did, than that. Did we I, I thought he was a pretty interesting character. Did he show up more in the second half? I'm it, having a hard time piecing which half was which half. Okay. I, I saw think... him. I saw him work his magic once. With the penny. Yes, he came back uh, the second half, the teenager dude, the bully who was going to beat him up, uh, found out that he had a power, and so he blackmailed him into trying to make his stepdad disappear, and the penny dude showed up again and like somehow made the stepdad disappear, even though the kid refused to do it. Didn't make a lot of sense, but... I just assumed he convinced him to leave. Like, he just went in there and and said, all right, you're going to pack your appreciate and go. And that's entirely possible, but there just there was no explanation. Okay, one of the biggest problems with pilots or premiere, you know, brand new premieres of shows is trying to fit all of the story in the first episode, as opposed to flushing out good portions of the story and making me want to come back for more. It, I mm-hmm. I don't I don't care about any of them except for for Zach. That's it. Maybe I care a little bit about Zach and his story. Everybody else, I don't give a shit about. Especially yeah. video game girl. Yeah, she can she can go scratch. <clears throat> I'm I'm with you there. I like horn room glasses and uh, Zach Levi, and those are the characters that I'm interested enough to watch more of the show mm-hmm. for. The two non-powered. I think that's the problem that. Um the old show and the new show both have is there's so much going on that they can't develop anything into anything interesting because there's not enough time Mm. and i know this is a pilot and maybe then they had a lot of you know setup to do whatever but uh, it was like just so much and most of it i didn't care and most of it most of the time i you know 45 minutes and i'm looking at the clock going oh my god there's still another hour of this to Mm -hmm. go and I'm so bored, and I'm so bored, and I'm so bored. And wait, something interesting happened with Bennett, but they're not going to explain it. Nope. And now I'm bored again. Yep. <laughs> that was the whole friggin' show. Yep. Uh, yep. 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 I hope they I can find the, the glory days. Yeah, I think the conspiracy, like Primatech, Renatus, that that's the most interesting part to me. And what happened to HRG's memory? Sorry, horn room glasses, Bennett. Um. <sighs> What happened to his memory? What happened to him? That's the most interesting part to me. And I think they could go somewhere interesting with it, but they better get there damn quick. Absolutely. 
A uh, quick side note: the kid who plays the dumb kid that we don't like, Peter Pan. Uh, I, Peter Pan. <laughs> 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 from From Once Upon a Time. You know? Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. A, a show that we stopped watching a long because of time that plot ago. arc. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like Henry's wow. the worst character in the show. Let's save him. How about you don't? How about you just <laughs> leave him in Neverland and move on with your lives? Because then we keep watching the show. Uh, I want to say about the webisodes. I know you got you didn't like him so much, Evan. I really I thought that was the way to go with telling this kind of story. Just focus on one set of characters and let that be the way into the story. I really liked them a lot. I agree with you. The theory behind them or, or the, the, the story that they were telling in the webisodes was was good. It's just it felt too splintered because to me, I should say they felt too splintered because there were six episodes. It didn't feel fluid to me. Yeah, and the DIY video kind of concept was annoying to me, too. Like, and and it wasn't consistent, because they're like, oh, let's think of every possible reason we can for this person to have a camera, but then there are some scenes where we can't do that, so we just shoot it from the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we just didn't. (laughs) But I think that 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 kind of um, production quality is a, a... symptom of it being a webisode and they're not having a lot of money to do it we're just going to make this extra content on whatever $43 so that's still... why they did it and I understand it but it didn't work No. well they started the story they could maybe I don't know maybe if they chose a, like a, a different power or a different character that, that like the, the point of those webisodes was for me to feel some sort of bond with the, the girl and her brother and I felt absolutely no bond with the girl. She was actually kind of annoying towards the end of the episodes. And the brother sort of creeped me out. Like, he, he went crazy. When they when you take a character that's supposed to have the, the, the through line, the plot in his head, and you make him crazy, it makes me doubt him. And that means I'm doubting the plot line. I find that very interesting. Uh, and, and I'm not meaning this as any kind of jab, but that's a very interesting stance to have from somebody who likes Moon Knight so much. Because isn't Moon Knight crazy? But that's the plot line. The plot line is he's crazy. Mm-hmm. The plot line for this story is that there's a giant conspiracy going on. Let's give all of the information to the insane guy. Why? Give it to a, a normal... Because it's funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> the, the way you just pitched that, I'd watch that show. <laughs> all right. Hopefully somebody is listening. I guess I'm just becoming uh, jaded. There's that. so much out there. Like, television expects a lot of us as as consumers, and th- there has to be a give and take. Don't give me tropes. Don't give me the same shit over and over and over again. Heroes is literally doing that. We're, we're getting the same theory, overarching bad corporation, keeping the, the good evos down, the, the, the plot, the same theoretical plot holes where who's the good guy, who's the bad, like, set... It's, Set me up to hate somebody right off the bat. Even though I don't like them, that is still a bond with me rooting against someone. Give me people to root for that I want to root for. Not a kid that can't control his powers. Not a broad that could fucking go into a shitty looking video game. Not a crazy bearded dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's 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 trying to hit the same notes that season one of Heroes did, but not seasons two, three, and whatever the hell else happened. I don't know, it feels like forever. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also missing Siler. Like, there is no Siler character. There's no 
Yes, there is. He's the dude Ooh. with the pennies. That's who the penny dude is going to become. I, I guess, but I mean, I'm not convinced that he's a bad guy off the bat. Whereas Siler is just like, I'm fucking evil and crazy as shit. Okay. And like this penny guy, I kind of feel like he's a good guy. Oh. I feel like he's going to be one of those characters that's going to wind up being, you know, helpful in some way, shape, or form. Have you ever? It's going to be shrouded oh, in mystery. Was it 1408? What was that 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 movie? Where everybody ended up at a hotel or a motel and it was raining and it was a Cusack film. It was a horror. Oh. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what the fuck it's called. Okay, that... He, the, so that's not helpful. The Penny Dude was the main bad guy in that movie. He's not a good guy. Sorry. <laughs> I may be typecasting him at all. He's a baddie. Dollars to donuts that, that, that he's going to be the big baddie for at least the first you season. You pennies to donuts. ha, 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 ha. And this is why I'm here. As long as there's donuts, I'm happy. So. <laughs> wow, she just she she won up you on that one, Chris. I'm sorry. Most definitely. <laughs> I want a donut. <sighs> well, I, th- I anybody got anything else to say? Because I'm tired of yelling about this show. Fucking shitty video game, really. <sighs> yeah, that was that was bad. There was a lot of bad. There was a little bit of good. Um, I'm fairly easy to please, especially when it comes to superheroes uh, on television. I guess I don't know. I'm interested. I'm I'm very curious to see where this goes. And I think the saving grace of this is that it is it, it as far as I know, it's it's billed as a mini series. Like this it is, is a limited series. It I is believe. a limited series. This has an ending already. It's not like there as far as the, what I'm going into is under the impression that this has a finite conclusion. And then obviously if it's super successful, NBC will be like, money, 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 keep this show going, run around, <laughs> destroy it again. But haha, <laughs> um, we fooled at you. Least for this one season, I feel like the writers have a story that they're trying to tell. And because of that, I am, I want to see where it goes, you know, because this isn't going to be like one of those shows that just gets canceled and we never see where it ends. It's going to be like, all right, we're going to air these episodes and they're going to tell a story and then that story will be done. So we hope so. It's, I mean, obviously they're going to leave threads open for, for the future or whatever, but I feel like they're going to conclude a story arc at the end of this because it's been billed as a limited series. So that's why I'm going to have faith that they're going to tell me a story and whether it sucks or not, I'm, I'm, I'll stick around long enough to find out. It's what it's is. It's a thirteen. Is that what I saw? Is it a thirteen episode li- limited series? You got me. Okay, I could have sworn I saw that somewhere that it was. Let's just say thirteen it's, is a good number. Ten is a good number. I don't. Yeah, know. thirteen. It, it's it's okay if you look at the standard Netflix season run. That's mm-hmm. uh, on the average thirteen episodes. If they come anywhere near the quality of most of the Netflix produced shows i will be very very surprised (laughs) and very pleased i i I mean it's but it's going to be a a uphill battle for them most definitely they they have their work cut out for them they most certainly do i think this show for me is going to be one of those that I do want to see where it goes. I do want to see what happens, but I don't got time for that right now. So I'm probably going to wait till it's over and consume it at my leisure. <laughs> Pull a binge watch. Good plan. Yeah. All right. I think that does it for this week's episode of this week's episode. How do we feel, guys? Uh, you know, the huge. <laughs> Leroy <laughs> Jenkins. I can't believe they did that. I okay, but we both legitimately laughed at that oh, joke. I laughed because it was funny, but I cannot believe they did that. 
<sighs> All right. And on that note, Chris, give us the deets on the socials. Well, uh, you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. You can also find us individually on the Twitterverse. I am at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Uh, Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is available at shoot underscore the underscore moon. Awesome. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. I have it on good authority that our show, by the time this one goes live, should be available on iTunes. I know it has been a, a long week of it not being there, but I promise... It will be there eventually. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day. And now back to you, Evan. Fantastically done, Chris, as always. Why, thank you. All right. That does it for this week's episode of This Week Episode. I am Evan Goldstein. I am Chris Randazzo. And I'm Karen Randazzo, a.k.a. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.